Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. Zoom. Yes, we're vulnerable to hacking, but it doesn't happen very often. Zoom sessions are statistically even less likely to be hacked than hydroxychloroquine is likely to cure COVID-19. The Trump University Hydroxychloroquine School of Medicine The new and improved hydroxychloroquine-sponsored Hippocratic Oath replaces do no harm with what have you got to lose. And President Trump's daily press briefing. Now we know what would happen if a Trump rally had sex with a snake oil infomercial and gave birth to a two-hour segment of Sean Hannity. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices mixed with a placebo are more likely to cure COVID-19 than hydroxychloroquine. Our top story this week. President Trump has been relentlessly promoting the unproven drug, hydroxychloroquine, as a potential miracle cure for COVID-19 since before he could even pronounce it. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. There was this guy, and he was dying from the cornucopia virus. But then he took some Heidi Cottontail quirk, and now he can shoot spiderwebs from his wrists. In fact, Trump has been so dedicated to promoting hydroxychloroquine that he actually started pronouncing it better, demonstrating for the first time in his life the capacity for learning. Most people are saying that hydroxychloroquine could be the miracle that makes the Obama-China virus disappear like a miracle. At first, President Trump's insistence on hyping an unproven miracle cure seemed like typical Trump bullshit. But when he went from occasionally pronouncing it almost right to actually learning to consistently pronounce it correctly. I obtained millions of doses of hydroxychloroquine. We don't have any tests or masks or ventilators, but we have plenty of hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine provides the kind of miracle cure you can only get from hydroxychloroquine. Ding! We became suspicious. And you guessed it, Trump makes money off of it. For more on President Trump's shameless profiteering off coronavirus snake oil, Purely Audible Whisper turns to our shameless snake oil correspondent. I'd prefer it if you didn't say my name. <laughs> Tax purposes. But hey, have I got a deal on a segment for you. I'm offering not one, but two segments for the price of one. This podcast is free. Well, that's practically giving it away. It's literally giving it away. If you act now... Act now? You'll not only get a segment about how Trump makes money off hydroxychloroquine, but I'll throw in a segment about the origin of hydroxychloroquine hype completely free of charge. I'm New York City lawyer and advisor to Stanford University Medical School, Gregory Regano. Turns out, not only is this guy not an advisor to Stanford University Medical School, he has no connection whatsoever to anything even remotely related to Stanford University. On March 13th, I tweeted a link to a paper I put on a file sharing service claiming that a trial of malaria drug called chloroquine had a 100% effectiveness rate in treating COVID-19. Turns out, not only was the trial based on a laughably small sample size of 20 patients, but several additional patients who did not actually benefit from the drug dropped out of the trial and were therefore not included in findings, including one who was dead. 
Three days later, the doc was retweeted by Elon Musk. Turns out Elon Musk isn't an infectious disease expert. Three days later, I'm lying to Tucker Carlson about my credentials and overhyping my results, none of which he bothered to fact check. Turns out Tucker Carlson isn't a good journalist. Next thing you know, some doctors using chloroquine in a few experimental drug cocktails and the president's shilling hydroxychloroquine during his daily press briefs. Hydroxychloroquine, it slices. It dices, it cures COVID-19. But wait, there's more. Hydroxychloroquine is so much more than an ordinary fake cure for a global pandemic based off a fraudulent study by a guy with fraudulent credentials amplified by an idiot billionaire and Fox News' sorry excuse for journalism. Hydroxychloroquine doubles as a presidential scandal. And don't you want to know how it works? Yeah, that's the entire point of this segment. Turns out, according to the New York Times, President Trump, who has been aggressively pushing hydroxychloroquine as a potential miracle cure for COVID-19, has multiple family trusts, all of which invest in mutual funds whose largest financial holding is in a company called Sanofi. Turns out, Sanofi manufactures a drug called Plaquenil, which is the brand name of, you guessed it, hydroxychloroquine. Do you suffer from COVID-19? You have no way of knowing because there aren't any tests. Do you think that there are plenty of tests, even though there aren't any tests because I told you that there are plenty of tests and you still trust me for some reason? Are you a bad judge of character? If you answered yes to any of these questions, or if you've ever answered yes to any question, then hydroxychloroquine is the unproven miracle cure for you. Hydroxychloroquine. Supplies are limited, especially for people who actually need the drug for legitimate medical purposes, because we created an artificial surge in demand. Hydroxychloroquine. What do you have to lose? Actual side effects include heart attack, irregular heartbeat, weak pulse, fainting, vomiting, headaches, irreversible eye damage, and death. Made-up side effects include MAGA hats, science denial, gullibility, white supremacy, loss of empathy, and voting against your own economic interests. Ding! Bernie Sanders ended his presidential campaign this week in a live-streamed address. I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. The path to victory is virtually impossible. Making up a deficit of several hundred delegates is mathematically possible, but packing polling places with progressive people while practicing social distancing is mathematically impossible. I wish I could give you better news, but I think you know the truth. The virus that has given resounding proof that my campaign's goals are desperately needed in this country has also ruined any hopes of a comeback. They should have called it the irony virus. Sanders' concession means we now know who will be facing off against Trump in November. I wish I could give you better news, but now I only hope to beat an old white man with the history of racial insensitivity, accusations of corruption, and troubling sexual misconduct allegations is another old white man with not as much of all those things. The reaction of Sanders supporters was predictable. If you think I'm gonna vote for anyone just because- So we're not going to hear from them. 
Instead, we asked the winning team, Joe Biden and his campaign manager, to comment on how they're feeling about their victory. Really great. I'm smiling so big, my teeth are blinding everyone in a six-foot radius, which is really helping with social distancing. Oh, it's been a wild ride. Just think, not long ago, after Iowa, it looked like our campaign was sunk. We've gone from front runner to have been, to dead in the water, to surprise contender, back to front runner, to annihilator of everything and everyone in our path. Our campaign has truly been a comeback story for the ages. Yes, and there's someone I'd like to thank whose strategic vision saved this campaign and brought it back to life. <laughs> you don't have to mention Michael me, Bloomberg. Mr. Oh, God. Huh? I'm Michael Bloomberg, and I approve this conversation. Once Mayor Bloomberg joined us on the debate stage, I was no longer public enemy number one. I have the stage presence of an accounting intern who just shat his pants. Next to Mayor Bloomberg, I am not an out-of-touch old white guy. I ended stop and frisk because not all black people are criminals anymore. Next to Mayor Bloomberg, I'm not a walking giraffe machine. He means gaff machine. What am I, chicken livers? The expression is chopped liver. Next to Mayor Bloomberg, I don't have such a troubling history with women. You can ask any of a certain five women, but nobody else. And my response to such accusations is not nearly as tone deaf. None of those women had a problem with me, except maybe a joke I told. Even though we were born the same year, next to Mayor Bloomberg, I don't seem so old. Listen, Pete. I was getting union support when you were in diapers. He's not here. And my brain doesn't seem nearly as faulty. I'm not saying Bernie Sanders is a socialist. I'm saying he's a communist. Did I score a basket? But most importantly, once Mayor Bloomberg entered the race, it was no longer anybody but Joe. It was anybody but Mike. It's true. Apparently, progressives only have room in their news feeds to hate one person at a time. And Bloomberg took all the heat just in time for Super Tuesday. How much does a presidency cost? I'm good for it. I'll take two. And when presented with the choice of hating a candidate who represents party cronyism or a candidate who represents money-corrupting politics, the former is clearly the lesser of two evils. Hey, that can be my new campaign slogan. No, it can't. Last week, Barely Audible Whisper reported on the fact that our home state Georgia governor and Betsy DeVos with a penis, Brian Kemp, finally issued a statewide stay-at-home order. Governor late to the game announced the order at a press conference where he claimed to have just learned that the coronavirus can be passed by asymptomatic carriers, hailing this new bit of four-month-old information as, quote, A revelation and a game-changer. Unfortunately, we would soon learn that Governor Idiot Meme's stay-at-home order included a provision that not only keeps Georgia's public beaches open, but actually overturns local orders that had previously closed local beaches. 
And so, in a desperate effort to convince Governor Dumas Trump to change course, barely audible whisper called on our Southern aristocrat correspondent, Mint Julep. Why, I do declare this nasty old virus has proven too much for most of our poor old Southern governors to handle. Uh, Now that everyone is staying at home from work, they'll all need a public space to congregate in large groups. I reckon it's hard for most Yankees to understand, but in a region where Confederate generals are still memorialized with statues, we don't much care for having to discuss unpleasantness. Mississippi is not China. Take, for example, Kate Reed, the poor old confused governor of Mississippi, who stated the obvious geographic fact that Mississippi is not China, as a reason not to issue a stay-at-home order. Bless his heart. Mississippi is not China. Luckily, as a proper Southern lady, I know how to broach the unpleasant subject of unpleasantness with enough pleasant charm to speak sincerely to these poor old overwhelmed governors. Bless their poor little old governor heart. Mississippi is not China. So I spoke to poor little old Governor Reed and I said, you are absolutely right, Governor. Mississippi is most definitely not China. And don't you reckon the good old folks in Mississippi want to keep that way? And I reckon the best way to keep Mississippi from becoming China is to protect the good people of Mississippi from that nasty old carpet-bagging virus that started in China. Uh, you mean to tell me the only way to keep Mississippi from becoming China is to protect Mississippi from that Chinese carpet-bagging virus? Well then, I reckon I better issue a stay-at-home order. So I reckon if I can charm some sense into the poor old overwhelmed governor of Mississippi, bless his dumb redneck heart, I ought to be able to do the same with poor viral meme of stupidity. Brian Camp, bless his so dumb it's harder to believe his heart pumps blood into his brain heart. I'm going to accept churches uh, from the stay-at-home order. That way you can get a lot of elderly people clumped together tightly in uh, pews. Also, children should still be allowed to play tag and then sneak up behind their grandparents and cover up their grandparents' eyes with their hands uh, that they haven't washed from playing tag and say, guess who? (laughs) I do beg your pardon, Mr. Governor. And may I say that I just adore your beautiful Savannah beaches. But I seem to recall that last week at your splendid little press conference that caused so much fun, where you had mentioned that it had just now been discovered that this nasty old carpetbagger of a virus can be spread by people who don't yet feel the symptoms. Yeah, that was a revelation and a game changer. Why, it's a game changing revelation if ever there was one, sugar. But there's just one little old thing I can't seem to wrap my pretty little head around. If this sneaky little carpet bag of virus can trick a poor old asymptomatic carrier into doing its dirty old carpet bag and dirty work, then what's to stop a poor old asymptomatic carrier from carrying this 
sneaky little carpetbagger virus right under your beautiful savannah beaches. I see what you're saying. Uh, I ordered people to stay home uh, from work and so that they don't spread the virus. But lifeguards work at beaches. And if the lifeguards are at work, then they're not home from work, which means they could be spreading the virus. So I need to make sure there are no lifeguards at any of the beaches. That show is a wonderful thought, sugar. But what about the rest of the people? The rest of the people will just have to learn how to swim at their own risk. It's better to risk drowning than getting the virus. Why, I do declare. I never thought I'd encounter a governor dumber than the governor of Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, that guy's an idiot. He doesn't even know that Mississippi isn't China. Forgive my vulgarity, Governor. But times as uncouth as the current unpleasantness are too desperate for my customary mild men and charm. Close the goddamn beaches, you fucking moron! <sighs> but but this is just like the movie Jaws, which, which I was watching when you came in here. Uh, I've only ever made it 15 minutes into Jaws, but based on those first 15 minutes, I can tell you that Jaws is the story of a brave small-town mayor who despite pressure from an overreaching sheriff and an anti-business liberal college elitist saves the town's economy by keeping the beaches open. Bless your million variations on the same joke meme heart. I'm just gonna press play on your little old DVD play and walk away for a spell. See, it's fine. Everyone's at the beach and they're all, they're all starting to go into the water and splash around and, oh. There's that music again. Dun dun. Dun dun. Now, now, see when the music goes dun 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 dun, uh, that's a signal to the audience that everything is fine. Oh no. All those kids are running out in the ocean because they see a shark. Ah, it's probably just the hoax shark from the previous scene where the kid was pretending to be a shark because he's a Democrat and wanted to make the mayor look bad. Huh. Where's that one lady's kid? Ah, her kid must be the hoax shark Democrat kid. Wait, the kid was eaten by a shark because the beaches shouldn't have been open. Oh, that is a revelation and a game changer. While much of the world's business and learning is now happening online through platforms like Zoom, not to mention podcasting, there has been a prevalence of immature assholes jumping into meetings and behaving badly. This practice is known as Zoom bombing. This isn't a setup for a sketch, just a public service announcement. Secure your meetings. Yes, since Zoom is the platform we're using to record our podcasts, we thought we'd use our platform to express the pitfalls of the platform we're using. Now, back to the news. Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar's so-called cocaine hippos may be helping Colombia's ecosystem. To further explain that amazing headline is biologist Evolution. While the hippos Escobar kept as pets, which were released into the wild after your death, were initially viewed as a harmful invasive species, it seems that they may be helping the ecosystem by filling the role of extinct large herbivores, such as giant llamas, sloths, wombats, and mammoths. I'm sorry, what was that? It sounds like someone said poop. They're right. Giant turds. See, these herbivores' uh, fecal deposits may be doing more good than harm 
as they nourish life at the lowest level of the food chain. I beg to differ. Queer? It's more than queer. It's downright disturbing that a renowned biologist such as Dr. Lucian could be supporting the idea of introducing invasive species. I'm sorry, can you introduce yourself? Professor Conservation, and... I'm Dr. Homo! <laughs> Holy shit, I think we have a Zoom bomber. No way! Awesome! Corey, can you hear us? Corey, get back here! Okay, I'm, uh, I'll text her. Libtards! Dan, you use Zoom a lot at work. What are we supposed to do? It's easy. As the host, you just kick them off. And I guess we should... Wait, wait, wait. He's sharing his screen. Hey, I got Allie's text. Are we at my part already? No, we're getting Zoom bombed. Oh, he's using the whiteboard feature to draw something. Are we playing Pictionary? Oh, it, it's a butt. It's tit. It's a dick and balls. Nah, it's a weird lumpy turd. No, it, it, it was a dick and balls. That's what you think a dick looks like? Is that what your dick looks like? Oh, you poor thing. It's like a mushroom, but backward. It's a stupid fucking trackpad. I can't draw well. Nah, I, I found a way to kick him off. Bye, idiots. No, 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 wait. Can, can we fuck with him? I want to know what this dude's dealing. Yeah. yeah. What were you hoping to accomplish here? I heard some lame-ass liberal fake news podcast was doing Zoom meetings, and so I came on here to own your asses. But talking about poop and drawing penises? Dude, this whole sketch was going to be entirely about poop. And penis is like the tenth most used word in this podcast, because Dan and Dave are gay for each other. I knew it, queers! That's not an insult. Yeah, there's nothing you can say that will shock us. Donald Trump is a genius sent by God. Boring. Bernie Sanders is a communist. Yeah, and? Gay marriage is a slippery slope to bestiality. God, you are the most unimaginative basic bitch. I'm so bored. I'm going to go Zoom bomb someone. Okay. You want to be offended? You ready for this? Your sketch was about invasive species, right? Well, well, here's an invasive species for you. Mexicans. Dude, I've played so many racist assholes on this podcast. Dan and Dave have written a hundred parodies of guys like you, and I, I always have to play them. Always. I've said the most horrible, horrid, racist shit imaginable. I promise you, your feeble brain can't possibly conceive of anything that will alarm us in any way. All right, Dave, kick off this backwards mushroom penis having MAGA twat. <laughs> Lip tards are mean! <laughs> Good job, everyone. You made Trump's finest progeny cry. Uh, back to the hippo poop? Nah, I think we got all the mileage we were going to get. Let's scrap it. State primaries and local elections have been on a sort of informal hold due to coronavirus. Except in Wisconsin, where state Republicans refuse to postpone their primary or grant access to more mail-in ballots because it's easier to suppress voter turnout and potentially kill a bunch of Democrats than to win on their record. 
for more on this travesty, I mean sham, I mean election, barely audible whisper turns to our political science correspondent, Polly Sy. Political correspondent, Polly Sy, reporting from Wisconsin, where Robin Bosch, the Republican Speaker of the State Assembly, dressed in a medical-grade hospital gown and wearing an N95 medical mask, said, quote, You are incredibly safe to go out. Meanwhile, in the predominantly Democratic, heavily African-American city of Milwaukee, where only five out of the usual 180 polling places were open, voters waited on lines an average of two and a half hours long. I'm actually still in line to vote in last year's election. Protected by nothing but whatever improvised nonsense they could cobble together from home. I'm wearing a garbage bag underneath my clothes, uh, two condoms underneath three pairs of socks, an outer garbage bag, a pair of mittens, and a mask I have left over from an old Halloween costume. Why is this happening? Republicans claim, without evidence, that this is somehow preventing voter fraud. If we postpone the election like every other state whose primary was scheduled during this pandemic, then there would be fraud because people would be voting in June, and June is a fraud month, and we can't extend mail-in ballots because mail-in ballots have to be put in sealed envelopes, and sealed envelopes create fraud because sealing a flat piece of paper inside a three-dimensional piece of paper is socialist. Wisconsin, like most Republican-controlled states, have had notoriously burdensome voting requirements that target young and minority voters such as voter ID laws. Ever since the Supreme Court struck down provisions of the previously non-controversial Voting Rights Act, which prevented states from imposing undue burdens on citizens' ability to vote. They, they won't let me vote because the picture on my driver's license doesn't match my werewolf mask. The only reason Republicans lost the governorship in 2018 is because a bunch of illegal werewolves from Werewolfistan snuck in, and voted Democrat. But while there is no evidence connecting absentee ballots to voter fraud, there is a mountain of data that shows Republicans do significantly better in elections with low voter turnout. Leading Republicans to adopt a strategy of voter suppression based on talking points so flimsy, they might as well be arguing that democracy is bad because it sounds like Democrats. Bad news, boss. I've been pouring over three decades worth of data, and the only time when we win is when voter turnout is low. It looks like we have no choice. We're going to have to adopt policy positions that appeal to more people. Or we could suppress voter turnout by imposing draconian voter restrictions that specifically target minorities, young people, and other key demographics of democratic support. I don't know, boss. That sounds a lot like cheating. Wait a minute. We love cheating. (laughs) (laughs) So, when the universe presented the Republicans with a perfect voter suppression opportunity... (laughs) The more voting is likely to kill you, (laughs) the less likely people are to vote. (laughs) Whoa! <laughs> 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 
Wisconsin Republicans pounced on the opportunity faster than COVID-19 spreading through a crowd predominantly Black and elderly Milwaukee polling place. I risked my life during the civil rights movement to gain the right to vote. Now I've got to risk my life to exercise my right to vote. It's almost as though they don't want me to vote. I'm sorry, but you're wearing a different shirt in your driver's license picture than the one that you're wearing right now. So it isn't an exact match. It's the old wearing a different shirt voter fraud trick. This particular election is particularly important to Wisconsin because a Republican state Supreme Court justice is up for re-election. And a Democratic victory in the state Supreme Court could weaken the court's Republican majority that consistently votes to uphold Republican voter suppression laws. <laughs> you heard that right. I'm an elected state Supreme Court judge who gets to determine the legality of election laws that gives me an unfair electoral advantage. <laughs> so, guess what happened when Democratic Governor Tony Everett signed an executive order postponing the election? against an order that would have taken away the unfair advantage I had in my own election. <laughs> Unable to delay the vote until less pandemic time, Wisconsin citizens were at least protected by a federal court ruling that allowed an absentee ballot deadline extension. In light of the fact that thousands of absentee ballots failed to be sent out in time due to unprecedented numbers of requests directly caused by concerns over COVID-19. That is, until the conservative U.S. Supreme Court intervened. That Supprime Court Justice and Kermit the Frog impersonating racist, Brett Kavanaugh, here to explain why the court voted 5-4. to four along party lines to uphold Wisconsin's pre-COVID calendar deadline, rather than uphold the Wisconsin citizens' right to vote. Calendars are important. During my confirmation hearing, I proved I didn't rape anybody by showing everybody my calendar, because it says on my calendar that I didn't rape anybody. The Wisconsin calendar says that absentee votes have to be mailed by April 7th which is a different day on the calendar than April 14th, which is a week later on the calendar. So nobody can vote after it says so on the calendar because the sacrosanct and unquestionable authority of calendars is infinitely more important than a trivial matter like the right to vote. And that's the news from Wisconsin, where what used to be a silly slogan is now a stark decision. Vote. Or die? As social distancing has left millions of Americans stuck in their homes watching television, advertisers are enjoying an enormous upswell in the numbers of people watching their commercials. However, given that most commercials feature products and services that don't make sense during this moment of national crisis, corporations have been quick to adapt new marketing campaigns. Or, to be more accurate, 
every corporation has adopted the exact same heavy-handed, overly sentimental marketing campaign centered on the cynical exploitation of the slogan, We're all in this together. Barely Audible Whisper created an audio version of the new corporate commercial template, using voices to describe the images that every one of these commercials callously exploits. We know these are challenging times. An image of a grocery store cashier wearing gloves and a mask. A wide shot of an empty New York City street. But America's faced tough challenges before. Black and white image of generalized depression-era sadness. And we always come out stronger on the other side. American flag hoisted high at ground zero. We here at Corporate Corporation understand that you've got more important things to worry about than Corporate Corporation. Two parents lovingly play with their child. But Corporate Corporation hasn't stopped thinking about you. A smiling Corporate Corporation employee happily helping a customer. Because Corporate Corporation cares about our community. A CEO in a homeless shelter. And Corporate Corporation cares about you. Happy people enjoying a less than subtly placed Corporate Corporation product. Corporate Corporation has always been there for you. A doctor hands an infant to a new mother. And Corporate Corporation will continue to be there for you. An elderly woman in the foreground. Sunset in the background. Subtlety is hard. Through the years, you've come to trust Corporate Corporation. A man in suit shakes hands with a husband and wife, while children frolic around a real estate sign on a well-manicured lawn that reads, Sold. And we here at Corporate Corporation trust that we can build on and exploit that trust by repeating the reassurance that you can trust us. A playful child. A rugged, hard-working, blue-collar, regular Joe. A rapidly changing series of smiling, multi-ethnic individuals. Americans rise to any challenge. Sands of Iwo Jima statue. And Corporate Corporation is proud to be a part of that American spirit. Rosie the Riveter. Because Corporate Corporation beats with an American heart. A happy family on the front porch of a house that has way too many American flags. And we here at Corporate Corporation are confident that when this is all over... Iconic image of a sailor kissing a woman in Times Square marking American victory in World War II. America and Corporate Corporation will be back in business again. Almost the exact same image as the first of the cashier in protective clothing. Only this time, there is no mask. There are no gloves. And the smile? It's too big to be believable. Corporate, corporation, and you. We're all all in this together. This Sunday marks Easter, 
the Christian celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This holiest day in the Christian calendar usually means church pews jam-packed with worshipers, but as most churches are observing responsible social distancing practices to combat the spread of COVID-19, most Christians will be observing Easter in the safer confines of their own homes. Except for an alarmingly high number of stupid Christians whose irresponsible pastors will be conducting services in crowded churches to prove some idiotic MAGA point. For more on this detrimental bastardization of a religion that was founded, among other things, to alleviate the suffering of the sick, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our very own old-school Catholic priest, Father Murphy McMurphy. Father Murphy McMurphy here, wishing you a happy and holy Easter from a responsibly safe distance, of course. This Easter, as Catholic Masses around the world are celebrated in empty churches and live-streamed into the homes of the faithful, it'll be a truly unusual phenomenon to behold. Not so much the empty churches, but the fact that the Catholic Church will actually be serving as a responsible example for rational behavior. I mean, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we oppose the distribution of condoms to combat AIDS. How much more socially irresponsible can you get? This virus, we believe, is politically motivated. We hold our religious rights dear and we are going to assemble no matter what someone says. That's Louisiana Pastor Tony Spell. That's a direct quote. And that's how much more irresponsible you can get. The only fever in God's house is the fever of the Holy Spirit. And coughing is the only way I know to cast the devil out of your bronchioles and Back into hell. Help me, Pastor. The devil is infecting my body with all 19 of the COVID. I shall heal you by laying my hands upon you. Not only is he gathering crowds of sick people into his church, he's trying to heal them by touching their faces with his hands. The Catholic Church may oppose condoms to stop the spread of AIDS, but at least we don't hand out dirty needles with communion. My Holy Spirit fever is higher than it's ever been, and I cough so much devil out of my bronchioles that I can't breathe. Do not be fooled by the homosexual agenda of the secular socialist media that tries to convince us that we need to breathe. For I say unto you, if God gives us the breath of life, then what need do we have for breath to maintain life? How stupid can you be? We see in the book of Numbers, there was a prayer that stopped a plague. You see it in Numbers 16. And I believe in the same way, if we call on God Almighty to divinely intervene, that the plague can be stopped. That was President Trump's spiritual advisor, Paula White. That's a direct quote. And that's how stupid you can be. Number 16 says that we can pray away COVID-19. Psalm 91 says you should pay me $91. In a move more blatantly crass than the ancient Catholic practice of selling indulgences, Paula White is cashing in on the virus outbreak 
by literally citing Psalm 91 as a reason to give her $91 as part of a ploy to take in donations for a hospital that's not really a hospital, or as she puts it, quote, We are a hospital to the sick. Not necessarily the physically sick, but we are a hospital for those who are soul sick. I'm pretty sure soul sick is the name of a rock band I tried to get banned in the 90s. God wants you to send me money to build a hospital for the sick. Not a physical hospital that cares for the physically sick, but a spiritual hospital that cares for the soul sick. Because even though it's not a real hospital in the physical sense of being a real place that helps real people, it is real in the sense that I really need you to send me real money to buy real stuff. I reached out to Paula White for comment. She responded by pretending to speak in tongues, which roughly translated into English means because she's a con artist spewing nonsense. Remember, number 16, tell us to pray away COVID-19. And Psalm 91 tells you to give me $91 for a hospital that helps zero patients. How much more nonsensical can you get? I blow the wind of God on you. You will never be back. God let it happen. Cause it to happen. That was televangelist Kenneth Copeland actually attempting to blow away coronavirus with the breath of God. That was a direct quote, and that's how nonsensical you can be. Wind almighty, strong south wind, heat, burn this thing in the name of Jesus. That's another direct quote. We can't make this any sillier, but we can try. I shall blow the coronavirus out of existence with the Lord's Lamaze class. I command you back to hell with the healing of my halitosis. I call upon earth, wind, and fire. You're a shining star no matter who you are. I'd like to know where you got the notion. And God huffed. And Jesus puffed, and the Holy Spirit blew the virus down. I know Pastor Copeland means well. Trying to breathe and germs on me through the screen like the good Lord intended. But unless I can physically be in the church, I can't truly feel the infectious breath of God. Happy Easter, everyone. Stay home. Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, producer, Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress, Molly Brown, Writer and actor Daniel Carter-Brown, actors Corey Burns, Ali Glonick, and Michael Morgan. 
please uh, follow us on social media, subscribe to us where you subscribe to our podcasts, or at our website, www.barelyaudiblewhisper.com. We appreciate your support. Have a happy Easter and or happy Passover. Thank you very much. (laughs) Next to Mayor Bloomberg, I am not a walking giraffe machine. Giraffe. Why is that even funnier? (laughs) Humorous!